Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over this. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome back to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America, where we are continuing on with our good friends, Ann and Scott, who have been sharing with us about their work in Iraq, as well as some of their own challenges with sexual addiction and anger and challenges that anybody that's been married for a while might actually experience. And one of the things that I've loved about the first part of this podcast, if you haven't listened, go back, download, hit download, listen to part one before you come to part two, because I promise you part two is probably not going to make any sense unless you listen to part one. In part two, I really want for both Scott and Anna to share about Things that are hitting – I think sometimes we think that Christians are superheroes, right? That somehow when you become a Christian, you get saved, um, that you do not go through the trials of mere mortals. But the truth is Scott talks about serving on leadership. He talks about serving in the church. His wife shares about you know reading the Bible. These are, these are typical everyday apple pie eating American Christians and <laughs> they're going through challenges. They're opening up their doors to their home, sharing some intimate details about their challenges with hopes that by being open, raw, uh, by allowing themselves to be vulnerable on this podcast, you too can be set free from your own addictions and your own challenges. I want to thank you guys so much for coming on, sharing with us, being open, being honest, being vulnerable. I mean, this really does open you up to ridicule uh, this opens you up I, mean, I hope I, I'm not the first one to share this I mean I hope that's not a revelation that holy cow are people are like ridiculing us now but this does open you up to at least that feeling right so everybody goes through what you're talking about mm-hmm. everybody maybe not the same challenges mm-hmm. but definitely deep dark secret and and in the first podcast, mm-hmm. Scott said, I know people are listening to this podcast, so let them speak. Stop talking, Eugene. But <laughs> in the first pa- podcast, Scott said something really powerful, which is I gave my wife the silent treatment. I withdrew, and it's in those secret private moments that the enemy has his way with us. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly what you said, but paraphrasing it. Mm-hmm. And I really do feel – so I, I can remember setting packs with my friends saying, you know, Christian friends, like I'm going to confess to you and you confess to me because that's where I feel we have power over the enemy. And I'm not talking about, you know, crappy sins, right? I'm I'm talking about, you forgot to read your Bible that day. Sometimes I just love too much. 
sometimes I just work too hard. I'm addicted to my job. You know, for some reason we think that that's okay, right? You know, so right. sometimes I put ministry before family. You know, and that some and and those are the sins we like to share. Like if 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 you if I'm sitting in a job interview, right? And those job interviews are people that are always ask, "What do you think your weakness is, dude?" I'm not going to tell you what my weakness is. I'm going to say sometimes I think I just work too hard. You know, and I forget about my family, and I I need to you know. It's all about you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I think that this is really powerful because by by people being more open, by people – one of the things that I think that we have lost in our culture, and I think it has to do with the, the Protestant movement, that when we separated from the Catholic Church, in some ways we threw out the baby with the bathwater mm-hmm. because the Catholics go to the priest and they confess mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something very healthy in mm-hmm. that activity. And mm-hmm. I don't think we have to have a priest or a father. But the Bible mm-hmm. does tell us to confess to one another. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it's important that we just don't confess to any Tom, Dick, and Harry, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, need to, we need to find someone who is responsible mm-hmm. with right. that information that's not going to use right. that as a weapon against us or to power over us, lord over us. Mm-hmm. But somebody that can say, dude, I'm there with you, right? right? You robbed a bank. You're going to have to serve in jail right. time, <laughs> right. but I'm going to go with you mm-hmm. and we're going to go through this together as you know, you face the music for what mm-hmm. you've done. Mm-hmm. And so please continue on for where, from where you guys were at. You were just telling me about Freedom Day in mm-hmm. part one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, yeah, well, well, first of all, um, you say how it doesn't feel that hard for us to share because of what Jesus has done in our life, I feel like the woman at the well, where I love her whole testimony was, I met the man who told me everything I had ever done. And instead of feeling shame, she went out and proclaimed it to everybody. And I love that they said, at first we believed because of what you said, but now we believe because of what we've heard from Jesus. Yeah. And so our hope with this and podcast... I, I just I'm want to sorry, interrupt you just for a second, just because what you said I think is so powerful. Because if we look at the Bible in every single instance where Jesus showed love, mm-hmm. he showed love to those that had humility and came to Jesus and said, I'm not worthy. And I'm not worthy because of A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. The ones that Jesus cursed out, kicked out, even, you know, threw mm-hmm. out of the temple and went after and called them like, you know, right. dirty lion, snake dogs. Viper. Yeah. Those were the ones that justified mm-hmm. their actions mm-hmm. and promoted their holiness. Right. So I, in that way, I would rather be thought of as unholy before man right. and confess before God than to justify myself before man. You had a little revelation regarding that member. Remind me of my revelation. Oh, yeah. We got some couples talk here. Whenever you've been around couples that have been married for a while, they don't even have to fully communicate sentences. Sorry. Remember that thing? Remember? Well, no. I know what you're saying now. In the height of our our before Freedom Day, Hmm. um, I would just put the kids to bed. He would be at the firehouse, and I would just spend hours with the Lord in worship and in the Word. And like I mentioned in the previous broadcast, I wasn't raised with the Bible. So I just have these beautiful memories of me with Jesus and with His Word laid open on my lap at night. And I read this story about this man, um, this Pharisee who's who's at the temple saying, thank you, Lord, I'm not like this person and that person. I fast and this and that. 
And there's the man in the back just beating his chest, saying, mercy, mercy, mercy. And I felt like the Lord told me, you think you're better than Scott? And I had to confess. I said, yes, I do, Lord. How can I not? Look how he treats me. Look how he breaks things and throws things at, you know. Yeah, I think I'm better than him. And um, it convicted me. That, and I felt like the Lord said, Scott knows what he is. You don't know what you are. And I remember I broke wow. down in tears and I just literally went face on the carpet. And I said, I am so sorry, Lord. And so not to um, not hold Scott accountable for his actions. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, because if you already say this to an abusive woman... The core of most women, they just want their marriage. They want their husband to love them. Yeah, and so if it's for humbling yourself, I, I would, that's why I did make compromises with the porn because I was scared he was going to leave me because, you know, he was a, a fireman and, and, you know, he would do these events, these concerts where drunk women would come up to him and go, I heard you're a real fire chief. True story. <laughs> and, you know, and so you, you had this fear. Were you ever of on a social being, calendar? Re, no. no. Never. No. <laughs> but, Some of my counterparts were, I never had. Anyways. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> but there's that real fear that as a woman of being replaced, you know, of what you you mentioned in the previous po podcast of security, of another woman being like, oh, you know, if I could land him. And so, but that's where I would go back to the word and go, you know where I'm not replaceable in the eyes of Jesus? His word tells me nothing will separate, you know, me from his love. There's nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. And that's what I would anchor into. And it got to the point going, you know what? That's okay. I have Jesus. And so um, that was the trajectory that Tracy, um, I'm sorry, that um, we were going on at that time. Um, but it just growing in that. And so I'm at a, I'm actually. I'm yeah, no problem. I, so I know that you, you guys have been going through these challenges and mm -hmm. now you have this, you have this day, day of freedom. Yes. Okay. And so this day of freedom for those, just to remind people, this day of freedom seems like it's the day of confession basically and in confession cleansing yeah is, is, would that be an adequate description but because yeah, he took everything was not confessed on that day but i wouldn't mm. find that out till four years later right okay and that is where i would find out there because what brought on freedom day he did contact an ex-girlfriend on on facebook that's why i was like he had been caught in other things and i'm like if this isn't i'm done you know, game over. That's the one thing I always said I would never forgive, you know, is um, infidelity. And so that's what brought that. That's the situation that brought to head. But even that, I'm driving down the road, and I feel like the Lord said, Scott has his own Facebook page. And we had always agreed at that time to have a shared one. I go home, I type it in, he did. And he had only had it for less than 24 hours when the Lord told me. And so anyways... Um, I just have so many stories of God's faithfulness. Um, like I said, too many to fit into these podcasts. Nonsense. I, nonsense. <laughs> we can fit them all in. I, I think <laughs> I think what's important, because that was Freedom Day, and, and, and I really want to emphasize, yeah, the Lord, it was the Lord that extracted out the truth. 
And what I love about the the vision I had, yeah, but it has to be the Lord. Not not to interrupt you, but it, mm-hmm. I mean, it. If this is the dumbest thing you've ever done, yeah. I mean, really, mm-hmm. admitting to something that you weren't caught doing is right. is really stupid in a marriage. Yeah. So if the, if it's not the Lord, <laughs> yeah, it's it's stupidity. Yeah. But it's in that confession that I think that you 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 call it Freedom Day. Right. And this is what um, when Paul said this, he said, "Where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom." Amen. In that that um, those who are in Christ have who have been set free are free indeed. And the problem is we hear it as a f- scripture. But we don't experience it. It's not just a cool, great scripture to memorize and read 200 times. It's something you need to experience. This goes back to Genesis. There, and that's what I think so many Christians miss. God wants to reconcile us through his son to the Father. Because in the very beginning, and I love, Jesus often went right back to Genesis. And you can just go to the first few, first few chapters of Genesis and discover so much. And for example, Anne was, uh, Anne was talking about um, boundaries. In the very creation story, God set boundaries. He set boundaries with Adam and Eve. You can eat of any fruit except for these two trees. There were boundaries. So, um, so healthy establishing healthy boundaries within a mar- marriage relationship, not just marriage relationship, ministry relationship, friendships, neighbors, whatever. Yes, you know, uh, it's good. You know, God is is the one who set boundaries and showed us an example. He also made, um, he created us in his image, male and female. He created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve and, you know, others. So it you can learn so much. But anyway, um, so that was the, the, the really the crux of Freedom Day. But then there was Revelation Day, which I think is, Anna can take it from there, but it's, it's, it's really the part two um, because... I just want to say this. She talks a lot about fear. The reason we keep secrets is we're afraid. Again, go back to Genesis. Adam and Eve had sinned. They tried to remedy, right? They they sewed fig leaves together. I don't know what a fig leaf looks like. I've eaten real figs, but I can't imagine they're too comfortable. But to hide their shame. Yeah. To hide their shame. Yeah. They They knew they were guilty. So that's man's attempt to deal with it. But um, so it's the it's the fear it's the fear and that's what when at, uh, God asked Adam where are you and he and of course he, God knew but he asked him and and he said what did you do and and you know and Adam says we were afraid and and so it's the fear factor so for me full disclosure of my sexual um, uh, adventures um, you know exploits. I was afraid. I was always afraid that if I told my wife all the truth, I would lose her. Because she did. She told me infidelity was was that that's the, the, killer. the killer of the marriage. So there was this fear, oh my gosh. So um so yeah, roughly four years after Freedom Day, Revelation Day came and Anna can take it from there. Yeah, I mean because in admitting something like this is it, I can I know from experience can not be easy. And one of the things I was talking about, one of the big needs for women is security. One of the big needs for men is usually respect and admiration. It's one of the things that drives us to want to achieve because in that achievement, we, we would like to achieve the admiration of the women that 
we love. And we do it. You see it with little boys. I mean, you have a little boy. I'm sure that he did. Look, mom, no hands. I mean, from the very mm-hmm. earliest days, right. it's like they want that admiration of their mother. And as we get older as men, we want that admiration of our wives. Confessing sin and failure and infidelity to our wives is the reverse effect of that admiration and desire that we want, which leads to shame and that shame that we don't want, which is the opposite of respect and admiration. Yeah, it's pretty when you find out that your your spouse, I'm sure male or female, has been unfaithful to you, as we mentioned in, in the last uh, podcast, um, God comparing our unfaithfulness as adultery is it's just soul shattering it it to me that's all I could think about when I did find out was like it, it, this is this hurts to to like my inside my bones it's deeper than any other hurt but it was the goodness of God um that pulled me through that um initial revelation and so um as I had started to share, we had done a time of fasting and praying, um, 40 days of um, just fasting some things. And during that, that time, and I would always say, well, at least Scott hasn't been unfaithful to me. And we were getting ready to meet with um, our friend Nagame, who um, had become pretty well known at that time for her husband being imprisoned in Iran. And um, ask, how can we serve the persecuted church? Because that's always been a passion of mine, the persecuted church. And so I was going to sleep at night, and I was like, Lord, that, that you would allow us to serve the persecuted church is just amazing, you know. Her husband, what I thought was at the time, you know, was in a physical prison. And, we, and my husband was in a prison of anger and sexual sin. But my last words, you know, as I'm talking to God before I'm getting ready to go to sleep was, well, at least Scott's never been unfaithful to me. And in that moment, not in an audible way, I felt like the Lord say, that's not true, Anna. And I'm like, wait, what? And there's no reason for me to suspect this. We, he'd had four years of like dramatic life transformation. Life was amazing. Felt like I won the husband lottery now at this stage. And we're talking about now at this stage. We're closing in on 19 years of marriage. No, no, no. Uh, So what Uh year? That would have been 2000. 2013 maybe? 2013, okay. Whenever the Boston bombing was. Because that happened a few days after I found out. So four years after 2009. Okay, yes. Real quick, the acts of infidelity were years before that. Yeah. Yes. Yep. The 2009 was healing, was Freedom Day. Yep. So it wasn't like 2009 was when I was unfaithful. It was yep. many yes. years before. Yeah. And so that's what and what the Lord told me. So, But I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning, and I'm in the, the restroom because I don't want him to see my face because I have no poker face. And so I'm in the restroom having a chat with Jesus going... Okay, Lord, um, I hear you. Um, thanks for the the update, because I, I, you know, because I was just thinking, going, man, what that voice that I felt like I heard last night remind me of something else God had told me that I thought was crazy. And so I was like, you know, as old saying goes, we're gonna let dead dogs lie. The past is the past. I knew it was um, would have been like our nine eleven year, um, two thousand and one, because of him being a fireman. That was our worst marriage year. I go. You know, I think that's when he was unfaithful to me, but I wasn't going to bring it up. And so I leave the bathroom, I go to open up the shades, and I look down, and there's a scripture that Scott had written, and it's from Colossians, and it says, Do not lie to one another. And um, 
I forget the second part of that scripture, but it was as if God was speaking to me. And I said, all right, God, I hear you. Then I won't. I'll stop lying to you. I'm too scared to know. I have seen this break stronger women than me. I saw what it did to one of my family members. It's as if she died when she found out her husband was unfaithful to her. And, and so, um, and so I, I told Lord, I'm too scared to know. I don't want to know. And I felt like the Lord said, just go to your meeting with Nogme, you know, table it because we were due to meet her. So we get in the car, we meet at a coffee shop and, um, Scott shares a scripture that ministered to him that morning. And then Nogme says, do you know what scripture ministered to me this morning? It was in Psalms and it says, we do not fear bad news because we trust in the Lord. And it was just as if God was, you know, that was, I've always felt God answer me in scripture to my questions or whenever I needed wisdom or encouragement. And so all of a sudden I wasn't scared anymore because um, I do speak at churches and I was like, this is God's goodness bringing this out because God reveals what he wants to heal. It's not like he's saying, I want to reveal it just to know you're... You're not allowed to say you're screwed, but sorry. That's sorry. <laughs> now you're walking I into am. Eugene Bach. Sorry, language. thank you. I said I wasn't raised with etiquette, <laughs> but yeah. that's how I. I this don't know. maybe not the slang to be using during this podcast, but okay. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry, but you know, I just feel like the Lord. He doesn't reveal things yeah. to say there's no hope. There yeah. we go. Mm-hmm. I churchified it for those yeah. who needed it. Um, so. So it was. Uh, so when we got in the car, I go, Scott. Before we drive home, um, I've got to, We've got to talk. I said the Lord's told me something, and I felt like the Lord told me to tell him. Um, I oh, so I said, Scott, we need to talk. I said, and trust me, this is God asking, not me, because I argued with God. I didn't want to know. I said, but it's time, and I give you my word. I will not leave you, and I will forgive you. But it's time. Have you been unfaithful to me in our marriage? And he sticks out his hand and he says, do I have your word? And I start crying because even though you know it, and I'm like, yes, this is going to suck. It's going to rip my heart out. But yeah, go ahead. Just say it. He goes, um, yeah, in 2001, um, during the 9-11 year he had. And so, but this is the crazy good. I feel spoiled by the Lord because that happened on a Wednesday. On Monday, he was already leading peer desire groups. And I was supposed to meet with a young mama on a Friday because she had no one else to meet with. And on Monday, I told the Lord going, Lord, I don't have the heart for this ministry because He's never been unfaithful to me. And, you know, here I got the curriculum arrived on my dresser Monday called Betrayal and Beyond. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't even relate to this for this meeting on Friday. I just feel like, you know, I look back, I just picture Jesus smiling going, don't worry, don't worry. Your heart for the ministry is due to arrive on Wednesday. <laughs> and I so make it relatable. <laughs> you are so you and that and she was a military wife. And I told her, I said, I'm no longer your mentor. I'm your battle buddy. I said, I just found, you know, some stuff out. And so the first time we ever heard about polygraphs was actually through Pure Desire Ministries. So I went home that day and I was like, what do you even do with this information? Okay, so why is a ministry talking about 
polygraphs? Because this ministry, Pure Desire, deals with people who have struggled with sexual addictions. And so I had never heard of such a thing before. And so I come home. So when we're talking about mm-hmm. polygraphs, we're talking about electronic yes. lie detector yes. tests like we see in the movies where they question criminals. Were yes. you there on the night of September 19th, yeah. you know, walking around Jack's house? Um, <laughs> we, we can talk more about how it works versus the oh, movies. Okay. Okay. Um, but so you've seen them. You've seen a polygraph. My husband's machine. had them. Three. Three. He's wow. had three polygraphs. But let me explain how and why Yeah. Okay. before we go there. <laughs> okay. So I get home and I go, Lord, I don't even know what to do. And so I had a training video on my dresser. How can you not love Jesus when he just provide? he spoils you with provision? You know, I love that. He's waiting for you in the future with everything you need. And so I put in this uh, training DVD and Dr. Ted Roberts' wife, Diane, is talking about the training for betrayal and beyond. And she says something in the video. It says, when pastors come to us who've had this problem, when they first arrive, whatever they have to submit to a polygraph. It's mandatory because whatever they've told you, it's usually just the tip of the iceberg. They're so sh- sh- full of shame that they don't even know how. <laughs> when you said so full up. of shame, sh- I was like, no, <laughs> no. When you said shame, I was like, okay, shame, shame. That sounds good. Okay. Eugene. So they're so full of shame. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Stay I, with I'm me. I'm sorry. You stuttered for the sh part. I so didn't I was just making mean sure to study. We're still on a Christian podcast. Oh, Jesus. It's so funny that I'm in reading about Moses and being a clumsy speaker right now. And so I'm thank you, God. You use all of us. Anyways, so the men are usually so full of shame. (laughs) That's why we love you. (laughs) That they just they don't know how to be honest. Yeah. So when I heard that that could be the tip of the iceberg, and they call that a staggered disclosure, and it's the worst thing you could do to a wife, because she already had one day of healing. In my case, you know, I've already had a little bit of healing, and then, you know, they think, the husbands think they're doing a favor, like, I'll just tell you a little bit at a time. Well, then they never know, like, is where's the bottom? Is there any bottom to this horror? And so when I heard that, I started to get scared again, like, oh, my gosh, there's more. There could be more. And I go and then all of a sudden I remember that scripture. Oh, that's right. You know, um, we trust in the Lord. We don't fear bad news. That psalm. And so I put the video on pause and I go out to Scott and I said, hey, Scott, um, why don't you go ahead and research who you want to see for a polygraph? Because if it's good enough for pure desire, you know, it's good enough for us. And he really accepted it. Really? Like you didn't yeah. say you didn't get offended by that? You didn't you you weren't like resistant. Oh, it wasn't or like did you have a level of guilt. Oh no 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 full disclosure and honesty. Uh, um, no, it wasn't like, oh yippee. But what what was true though, I had I knew that I had just ripped my wife's heart out of her chest and stomped yeah. on it. Yeah. And that I had said to myself and to her but anything whatever it takes i there was no boundaries so i know that what i did was so devastating and painful that you know in all honesty no it wasn't easy but it's absolutely whatever you need there was no limitations i I mean she could have told me to go downtown strip naked and you know hold up a sign i'm a adulterer and i would have done it yeah in 
you know, suffer the consequences because I just wanted her to know this is the real deal. I, I do value you. I do love you in whatever, you know, whatever I have to face, I have to and, face. And what is your desire out of this polygraph? I mean, if he passes, mm-hmm. are you going to be happy if he fails? Well, are you going to be listen to how happier? it plays out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the rest of the story. Listen how it plays out. There was a reason God asked me to uh, call for that polygraph because he was, sta- he was doing a staggered disclosure. Okay. And so I didn't know that, but the Lord did. And so, and the polygraph guy might and, find out. And so, <laughs> so he had a game face on. And so it was a few days later. And because he played it so, so first, cool, I thought there was get, nothing else. I thought, how do you get access nothing. to a polygraph? And how do you get access to somebody that knows how to run a polygraph? Okay, um, I would say any other than maybe some small town, you, you can find a certified polygraph technician. Which I just, you know, of course nowadays you just go on the web, you'll find them. I've, mine was a, yeah, mine was a is a retired police officer, and he's Did certified. You know him? No, 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 no. You didn't know him. No, okay. I do know him now. I mean, he, yeah. he, yeah, he really likes us both. Yeah. <laughs> so. And how much does this cost? Um, well, it, I can't say. I think he was. It's been a few years. Two fifty, two hundred fifty yeah. to three hundred, but. Um, you know, of course, it's going to vary on the technician where you are. And, no, and, they, it's, and when you call him, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I just I got to. Yeah. So when you call him, do you say that, you know, because I think I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know this world. So expl- mm-hmm. it, it, I'm very stupid here. So I'm sure that they're used to getting phone calls saying, hey, we have somebody that's on a murder trial. We have somebody that uh, needs to get. How many times do they get somebody that says, Hey, my wife wants me to take a polygraph. Is no, this- it's frequent. It, really? It's called yeah. It's called a fidelity, a fidelity polygraph. They do wow. They do them for um, for drug drug and alcoholics. They'll have court ordered polygraphs. Um, polygraphs to make sure you're not lying to your parole officer or the judge. And I thought that these were not admissible in court because of that's their- and that's a falsehood. Really, they, they can be. And, it depends on the situation and the judge. Yeah, but wow. but they can be. That's another fictitious, um, you know, thought out there. the 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 cool thing about the polygraph is. And have you ever ever been around anybody taking a polygraph before? Oh yeah, um, I had to take some for for jobs. Really? A lot of law enforcement agencies and even fire agencies. Yeah. Wow, that's a prerequisite. Yes, it's a prerequisite. Not for all on the fire. For most police, it is. But for fire, mm-hmm. yes, you have um, some will require a polygraph examination. And, and what kind of questions are they asking you on the polygraph? Well, for for instance, to be in the fire department. Well, first of all, they're after they want to see if you're an honest person. They realize, especially in this day and age, you know, maybe fifty or sixty years ago when we were more morally, although I'm not really sure that was ever true, but. Um, they they just really want to see if you're honest. It's not they don't expect perfection. Now, obviously, if you disclose something that's you know a felony, for example, you cannot be a firefighter or a police officer if you've been you've committed or been convicted of a felony. Yeah. But I'm not saying there isn't certain things. But for the most part, you know, especially with smoking marijuana, it's um, it's you know. It's it's kind of acceptable, but they really just want to know the truth. The truth. So, are they asking you? Have you ever tortured small animals? Have it, I mean, like, what kind of questions? Well, what they do is, and now it's actually they've modified it. But what they do is, they're going to ask you questions where they know you're correct. Simple things: your name, where you were born, your date of birth, 
you know, are you married to things that they know how you yeah. react? So they want to. So they hook you up. They're monitoring if you've never been now, um, and it's all com- hooked up to a computer system nowadays. For, at least for these, for the for the modern folks, but they they're monitoring your oxygen consumption, your heart rate, your perspiration, your blood pressure. They put a band around your chest, you know, so they're seeing if your breathing increases or decreases. And it's, it's, um, so they're monitoring these things. So they establish when you answer a, a question honestly. Then they, now what they do is they also intentionally want you to lie. So they establish what a lie looks like, a response to a lie. So now they, so they'll, they'll record several, several positive, um, affirmative answers. So they know what your response is. Then they're going to make you intentionally lie. So um, like they can what? respond what a lie looks like. So what, what questions do they ask that you intentionally lie over? Oh, for example, like they may ask, um, um, you know, they know that I was born in Ohio, say. Mm. And they'll say, um, I'm gonna a- they'll tell you, I'm going to ask you where you're born in Ohio, but I want you to answer no. So okay. were you born in Ohio? No. So it's going to register what my biofeedback, basically, my body is saying um, in these different areas, so they'll they'll measure those, so they okay. know what a truthful statement looks like, a truthful answer rather looks like, and they'll know what a False deceptive answer, answer looks like. Okay. Then they go into predetermined que- on the f- fidelity um, question that the the spouse gets to. They go. He reviews. You meet together first, and they'll say, "Okay, what questions do you want?" And he kind of whittles them down because it's this isn't. You know, they're kind of broad, you know, like, um, and I'll get into it. But so the, the spouse gets input on what questions are going to be answered of, of her, her or his spouse. So then um, uh, anyway, so then when you get down to the nitty gritty, he'll go back and ask you, you know, is this your name? And, and they're all yes or no. So he's recording. He'll, he'll ask you the deceptive, you know, maybe an intentional deceptive question. Okay, but he wants you to answer no. Then it'll be the predetermined questions. So since, since uh, for example, since 2001, have you ever been unfaithful to your wife? Yes. Okay. So they re- they record. No, you weren't since 2001. Well, no, that's when, or, or after that date. Sorry. Right. After the date okay, of Okay, good, because I thought infidelity. we were going to go for another okay, since, revelation. Since what, okay, no, no, no. Good no. Thing. Since, no revelations I'm on sorry. the B2J. <laughs> Thank goodness it's been a long time. Okay. So, all right. They'll they'll have a date that for sure as you know you weren't unfaithful. So, okay. Since whatever date have you viewed pornography? No. Since um, uh, this date, have you ever done any texting or chatting with um, someone other than your wife? No. So he's measuring. No, 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 no. No, it's done all privately. Yeah. So anyway, so they're going to ask these these questions that are predetermined, and then he repeats it again, the the whole process. So he gets it's not just one time; he'll do it three times, and then um, after the conclusion, because nowadays it's all com- hooked up to the computer. So he does a report, but um, the cool thing was initially afterwards he will do a consultation with with me, my wife, and him, and he'll say congratulations you know he's he has passed and i will send you a report she actually will get um a short period of time he will send her a full report to my own email yeah to her 
So, um, yeah, so that's how it works. And then um, um, especially... Um, can, can I ask, when you go there, mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's a secretary in the office? No, no, it's just him. It's just him? Yeah. So uh, you're going there and you're meeting with him in a in a in a office. Yeah, or, there's okay, an office. Okay, so he, so he goes office. into an office. There's right. nobody else in the in the building. Well, it, it's it's a sh- multiple suites. It's multiple suites. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so you Correct. go in. It's just him. And does he take you into another room, or is just one room? And you got the polygraph machine and the no. He has a and, conference room where you first chat okay. with him. Then when where you consult with the spouse and and in him. And then when you're ready, when he's ready to conduct the exam, you go into a exam room. He sits okay. you down. His, his computer's there and all the equipment. Okay, correct. And I mean, at that time, do you feel like a criminal? Like never. walking in, really? Never. Okay. Never. Okay, because I, I, I mean, I for me, I'd be walking in like a, a whipped puppy. I would think that I would. I'm here to take the polygraph. Well, here's the fidelity. here's the beauty of the polygraph for me, from my side. Yeah, you know. You talked about security. That's what gives the spouse. Yeah. She yeah. goes, oh. Understandable. But for me, it's, again, it's just, it's liberating because, you, you know, and it, it, it uh, it's like, it's actually relief. Myself and the few gentlemen that I have uh, mentored or been friends with that have had bouts of infidelity and, you know, we've, we've recommended the polygraph and they've done it. They have the exact same mm-hmm. experience. They go kind of grudgingly. We all do. I say if, if we had a T-shirt, it'd be your wife's footprints on the back of it pushing <laughs> you, you know, to be yeah. honest. But once you go, it's, it's verbatim. They all have the same expression of, oh, so liberating. And, of course, they're happy for their wife. But the beautiful thing is it gives now your spouse, whom you have terribly injured with the most egregious wound possible for a married couple it gives her now a benchmark she knows from this time forward she you know whatever happened before okay that's been confessed but now from that time forward so like because of i'll do whatever she wants okay and also because of our ministry we want to be above reproach i have submitted like every few years i've submitted to another polygraph same gentleman but and just you know, so why? why so why? she can. Is this at your request? Have you requested it? It's mutual. Well, no, her, but but it's yeah. also mutual because it's like so. Okay. I have nothing to hide. Yeah. Okay. And and it's for me personally. You know, it 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 helps me keep on the straight and narrow. But also, I've made that commitment of whatever you want. I, it's fine. I w- so going back to our story. Of there was another situation that he had kept from me. And so, you know, so I called for that initial polygraph and we were driving home. And I said, like the day before his polygraph, because something in my spirit was like, there's more. I can't explain it. And so, and that's what I'm saying is where just the goodness of God, where I, I said, you know what, Scott, I just have to tell you something. If I have to wait for a polygraph, to, to get the whole truth, it just doesn't end well for us. Did you learn anything from the first polygraph? But the polygraph hasn't happened yet. Oh, okay. I am okay. I'm going back to where okay. Revelation Day, right. he told me, I made it as far as, you know, hey, hey, Scott, get a polygraph. 
And the reason I asked for polygraph was I felt that nudge of God to do what the video was recommending. And so it wasn't just Anna out of the blue saying, I think I need to polygraph my husband. You know, that was their recommendation. Right. Okay, so now this is where the curriculum that's kind of fallen at your feet yes. has arrived. And you are living the, the steps. curriculum. Yeah, you're I'm just the following curriculum. the steps of this wow. book. Wow. Wow. And in bold letters. That's what I mean. Jesus is so cool. Mm-hmm. And so, and in bold letters, like in the second page of the book is we believe behavior, not words. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so when I asked for a polygraph, he played it cool, like, oh, no problem. So I'm like, oh, we must be good. But then there was something in my spirit that was like, hmm. You know, and so as we're driving, you say in your spirit, okay. But and I'm not I, really a charismatic I, I, person. I know, but I think every woman knows. I, I there, can't there's this, it. We, we, that, there's why we have a term, women's intuition. Yeah. Right? Because there's just something in women that pick up on things. They pick it up on each other. They pick it up in their kids, and they pick it up in their husbands. Yeah. I can't hide anything from my wife. Because she knows. I don't know how she knows, but she knows. Like yeah. she's and she's like she's like a human lie detector test. Yeah. Like she if I say something that's off, she'll be like, oh, <laughs> what? And so she knows right. when something's off. So So women's intuition. Yeah. And I say it's the Lord, woman's intuition, whatever. But I mean we do but, see in, in on the mission field, we do see more women across the board, whether I'm in Asia, Africa, the Middle mm-hmm. East, or the Americas, I see more women in the church than I see men. Mm-hmm. And I have to think about the way that God created us. And maybe he made women to be more spiritually in tune in certain mm-hmm. ways where they are – more so you that's why they you see them you know filling up the churches and stuff like that so i think even in your nature you might be more sensitive to the spirit of god than what men might be in some way yeah because things un, un totally unrelated to me she has had that for other people and I, I i can say that we had an incident uh a year ago where we were dealing with a situation with back to jerusalem um, where uh, someone um, had embezzled quite a bit of money from back to Jerusalem. And so uh, that person who was together with me, my wife picked up on it mm-hmm. and I didn't. And I denied it. I was like, mm-hmm. no, come on. You know? And she didn't pick it out. Like she didn't tell me exactly what that person did. She was like, there's something off there. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't know what it is, but there's something off there. And, uh, and I was like, oh, it's just jet lag. It's just, you know, whatever. Because I did not have a clue at all. Like, I was completely in the dark. My wife, she picked up, and it wasn't because she saw something. There was mm-hmm. something spiritual that she picked up on that I was ignorant to. That's right. just one example. Right. I can go through a smorgasbord of examples where my wife picks up on stuff, and I'm oblivious. Right. Completely oblivious. Mm-hmm. Right. So so back to... Um, to that that day when I told him, you know, if I have to wait for a polygraph to get the whole truth, it just doesn't end well. Because, you know, this is the redeemed Scott that I'm dealing with. And so, you know, I need to know that you're trustworthy. And so he goes, you know, let's pull over. And, and that's when he told me there was one more situation. And it's when we first got the internet. He had met up with someone from a chat room. 
And that one just really crushed me because that happened when it was a time when I didn't think we had marriage problems. I would have been pregnant with like our second child. And so, but once again, like I just felt the presence of like in my devastation. um, Well, first, because of having anxiety issues in the past, um, knowing I'm going to be under a great amount of stress. I need to make sure not only am I taking care of my spiritual self, but my physical self of, um, so I went to the gym to exercise, you know, um, to work off like nervousness. <laughs> and it was so funny when I, when I walked in, um, I saw it was like middle of the day and there's these guys working out and I was like, Lord, I've heard of other women who respond in these situations where like, I'll show him, I'll do it back to him. And I was like, Lord, I'm not saying I'm above that because we've been together for a while now. And, you know, as soon as I think I'm above something, I'm all in. So I'm not saying that. But right now, I just think all men are liars. I I was just mad. <laughs> and, you know, so so I, get- I don't think you'd be wrong. Insane. <laughs> so I, don't say it. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because so, <laughs> I think if women really knew what men think about every day, they would freak out. I, I think men's minds are different. So dirty, nasty places to be. Well, with Jesus can help. Yes, no, absolutely. Jesus can help. We need. So Christ. I go back home, and there's three things I brought to the Lord in this moment. I'm crushed because. The 9-11, I, kind of, I knew he was just really mean and nasty during that time. But this other time it caught me by surprise. And so in that moment, I, I said, I feel like I had saved myself for my husband. He's the only man I've ever been with sexually. And, and so in that moment, I was like, I, I wasted that. I can't, you don't re-gift that. I gave it to someone who was undeserving. And so the three things um, I brought before the Lord was, you mean there's more I have to forgive, Lord? I have forgiven so much. And that all men are liars, and I have wasted my faithfulness to a man who did not deserve my faithfulness. I remember dropping to my knees in tears, and I randomly opened up my Bible. It's an old NIV you know, one. And I looked down to the left hand side and the very first thing I saw, it was in Psalms and it says, be at rest once more. Oh, my soul, Mm. for the Lord has been good. Mm, And I was like, it was like the Lord was telling me, I know this is hard for you, Anna, but you, you're going to make it through this. You know, you've got, you've got one more. I'm not finished with this yet. And then I kept reading. And it and this is the part I love. Um, I don't think any other Bible translation translates it this way, but this one. And this shows me that Jesus has a sense of humor, even in your most brokenness. Because hmm. I had said, all men are liars. And so I'm reading down after, be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good. And then it says, I was greatly dismayed, and in my affliction, I said, all men are liars. And that's how it read. And in that moment, I started laughing. I looked up at my ceiling. I'm like, you get me, Lord. You understand. And then the verse continues down, talking about the faithfulness of the Lord. Wow. And then it says, I will remain faithful to my vows in the presence of his people. And in that moment, I instantly like had this vision of us standing at the altar on our wedding day. And the Lord said, it was never about Scott. Your faithfulness 
was to me. And that is never a waste. Mm. And so in that moment, it was just like this beautiful moment of brokenness between me and the Lord. And so it just really helped. And, you know, the, the healing took time. But never once did my husband ever say, when are you going to not bring that up? When are you going to let that go? He just showed a level of humility for quite some time. And when I would cry randomly, he would just hold me and pray with me. But one more thing um, concerning polygraphs, because when you mention that, it's like this, like people are shocked. And yeah. Like, yeah. People are shocked. People and, like me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because I've never heard. I've. Literally, I've never heard of any couple ever having a polygraph to test fidelity. Yeah. Ever. And so this is how I look at it. I do believe there's a really great biblical example for this. And in Ezra 8, it talks about, and I love it because Ezra, um, yeah, it's in chapter 8. And I love it here in verse 22. You know, he's he's going back to rebuild the temple and it says, I was shame I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road, because we had told the king, The gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him. But his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and prayed and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. So it shows that Ezra's a man of great faith. But then the very next line it talks about when he goes to talk to the priest, so when it came for outside invaders, he fasted and prayed. For his intimate priests, he says, here's the gold, the silver, and he weighed them and he told them, and when we arrive, we're going to weigh them again. So Ezra, a man who trusted God, still used a scale, an Old Testament polygraph perhaps, to test the honesty of the priests. And when they arrived, he praised God for the safe journey. And he didn't go, ah, it's good enough. We made it here safe. It said he weighed it out. He held them accountable. He knew they would be held accountable. And the reason I include that scripture reference, because a lot of people will be like, oh, you're just not trusting Jesus. I don't view it that way. It's no different than someone who's struggled with a drug addiction having to take the pee in the cup test. You know, we had a dear friend who struggled with um, alcoholism. Her family would be in tears, you know, begging her. It wasn't until she was wearing an ankle bracelet that she was able to break free. That's not a judgment that we like we just talked about in the first podcast. God uses boundaries to help us break free sometimes. Mm. And so and also I view it kind of like my mom had breast cancer at age 30. And so I've been getting mammograms ever since I was 20. Not everybody does that, but we have a high cancer risk. So we're not saying everyone should get polygraph, but we know the best way that your chances of beating cancer is early detection. And then also referencing the fire department, I pers- we both talk about how we believe they are good for le- leadership, which really makes us popular. Um, but why not when he, to work for the fire department that he had worked for um, to get a job for a very big fire department, they want, the city wanted to know who's putting on their uniform because you're going to be a representative of that city. And like I said, they're not looking for perfection. They're just looking for honesty. And so how much more important is it 
that when we are talking about people's souls and we represent Christ, because all these sexual abuse cases coming out right now, how many people have turned their back on Christ because of this? Jesus had very strong words about causing one of his children to stumble. You know, we think Jesus is all just hugs and all grace. Jesus is grace, but there's also a very serious side. In Matthew, it talks about how if you cause one of my little ones to stumble, it's best you hang a millstone around your neck and get thrown in a river and drown. He takes causing another one to stumble extremely serious. And so we have no problem doing taking steps to be accountable because we just believe Jesus is worth everything. That's why we go to Iraq. That's why we do all we do because he's worthy. And if you have nothing, you know, people with nothing to hide, hide nothing. You just, no, you, you just. I, I, I have many things that I don't share openly yeah but and it's not you don't, because you don't have to you <laughs> don't yeah so but, but I, i'm I, saying between you and your wife yeah yeah so let me ask this um you had the first polygraph mm-hmm. were you satisfied with the first polygraph? yeah how did it turn mm-hmm. out did it turn out yeah. were there any revelations no they he said he was 100 percent clean and that was what year that, right, that was right after revelation so i don't know 2013 2013 then the next one what prompted the next um one? Actually, that year, we said we would have one yearly, but then, you know, we're like, "Mm." and so I'm on the two year one. um, But if you can't remember, wouldn't you do them weekly? No, that's obsessive. (laughs) It's I I view it as mammograms. I do. It's cancer. Um, High cancer risk. So I do get them at a scheduled time. Mm -hmm. I don't obsess about it. I don't fear breast cancer. But do I still get them yearly? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't live in fear of it. And I've never had a, cr- a Christian, thankfully, say, Anna, how come you don't trust Jesus enough? You know? And so that's how, how I view it, you know? People are free to disagree with us. It's not like we're like, you have to view this the way we do. So after that, so after the first year, what prompted you to do the next one? Is because you said you would do them every year right. anyway? And how does that conversation start? You you want to get chicken for dinner tonight? Yeah. Hey, did you get your polygraph? I'm like, how 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 does that next com- that next Gosh, one pop up? Gosh, honestly, I don't remember. I think it goes like, Scott, it's time for another polygraph, and not because of any suspicion or anything. It's just that a couple years had passed. We believe that we need to be above reproach again because of my past behaviors, um, like just like you know a drug addict it's you need it requires special attention if you never had the problem then you you don't have to worry about it as far as that goes and then um but now it's more of it like i say it benefits us both and we want to be above reproach um i think most most um churches or or organizations for example on the finances they'll do a periodic audit whether it's annual or you know every couple of years it's no different it's just a checkup um she alluded to the scripture you know um in psalms all men are liars um so we're not beyond anything like you've said whether it's yourself or someone you know someone you've worked with your best friend it always shocks us when something happens. We never saw it coming, but it's it's always a possibility. And I just love, um, you know, Jesus and God takes lying so seriously. 
Um, I think sometimes we glaze over that. Um, but the scripture in Zechariah eight sixteen to 17, um, I just think is so powerful concerning this. It says, but this is what you must do. Tell the truth to each other. Render verdicts in your courts that are just, that lead to peace. Don't scheme against each other. And this part, stop your love of telling lies that you swear the truth. I hate all these things, says the Lord. And the reason that one stands out to me so much, because I work with the women in a lot of abusive situations, and a lot of times they're told to submit to abuse and that you can't divorce. Why? Because God hates divorce. Mm. But you know what else God hates? It says he hates the love of, stop your love of telling lies that you swear are the truth. I hate these things. And so I believe we're honoring God. And, and you know, if you need a little cancer checkup and use a tool, and if a better tool comes out, great. Um, I don't see anything wrong with t- um, using those tools. Ezra used them in the Old Testament to test the honesty of his priests. So, If, if I may, too, um, real quick, Psalm 26, 2 and 3 says, Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. He's the psalmist is saying, "Lord, examine." Me. That's what it, it's a polygraph examination. So, Test me. what is what is the 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 last one that you've done? The last polygraph. It it was again a few another few years past. It was simply 2017, 18, oh, probably eighteen. I think <laughs> maybe eighteen. I think eighteen. I don't know. Yeah. And he told me, he goes, your husband's as white as the driven snow. He's kind of like, why are you people coming back? Yeah. But, but you it, know what? Real quick. Especially what we do. Sorry. I'm eating chicken now. <laughs> <laughs> we've been at it a while. It, it, we are. We are. We are at it. We've been. We started when the sun was still up. It's nighttime now. But this has been really, really good. But, I think that this has been a very powerful podcast. And it's not over. Thing, just this one thing. Because of what we do, um, being on the mission field, Mm -hmm. you hear of organizations where abuse takes place because you're going to vulnerable people that are at high risk. And you know what? We, We want to live a very transparent life because, you know, we, yeah. So I just think, I think it's a wise thing, especially for overseas workers, to submit to. Because you 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 want to protect people, and just real quick, like I said, he was only of. Uh, um, sorry, we're doing ha- <laughs> now. We're <laughs> messing with you. My husband, you know, he he has been clean since '01, and so I just think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and again, I'll I'll do whatever, whether it's based upon her personally or just for the integrity of our walk with the Lord and. Um, we don't want to be another statistic or story where, oh, by gosh, you know, another Christian worker leader has fallen. Yeah. Because it brings such great injury to the to the body of Christ, to the Lord himself. Yeah. We don't want to cause them that shame. Yeah. Um, you know, in Acts chapter 5, um, there was a couple that they had sold some property and um, they kept some of it for themselves, which wouldn't have been a problem. It, and it wasn't the fact they kept some for themselves. It's that they lied. Yeah. And they were confronted in, um, um, in Acts uh, 5, 6. It says, you have not lied to men but to God. Then Peter said, uh, that was to uh, the husband, 
and then he dropped dead. The punishment was instant and severe. And then the wife came in a little bit later, and um, he asked her, why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. She drops dead. But here's the, the clincher here in verse 11. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard these things. The fear of the Lord, um, and I don't want to go this is another whole podcast, but the fear of the Lord, it's, it's um, and I don't claim to understand 100%, but we need to have that holy fear. And, um, you know, we're both parents, and we want our kids to be honest, and, and our spouses, etc. But, um, yeah, it says right here, great fear came over the whole church. This was severe. I thank God that we're not dropping dead left and right, because if the Lord was doing this now, I can only imagine there'd be a whole lot of hearses parked at every church every week. Mm-hmm. But uh, the point, you know, God, the Lord, the point here was they were lying to the Lord, and it was, the Lord didn't take that lightly. And, um, you know, it's 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 important, especially for us, not just for the, us in ministry, but for every believer, because we bring great shame to the church. And we cannot um, we cannot do that any longer. And um, yeah, I, I, we learn to lie as children. I'm not aware of any child that doesn't. And again, it's fear based. You're you're afraid of the consequences. And you may have parents that are really cool and lenient, whatever. Or you may have parents that I mean, man, they'll beat the living tar out of you. So it's the, the lying again is fear based. We're, we're afraid of what's going to happen, but. Um, the Lord has made it clear that we need to be honest. I I grew up in an area that is known for the granite in, in the earth. It's natural. And you see these huge, I mean, gargantuan boulders that are as big as a mountainside. And, but they, over time, have cracked in half. Why? It started hundreds, thousands of years ago, and it started when microscopic water droplets landed on that boulder and when water freezes it expands it's the only liquid that expands when it's frozen and then slowly but surely over hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of years it slowly does this over and over again this tiny minuscule microscopic moisture and then as that crack slowly expands more more water can get into it and again, it freezes during the winter, expands, and then over time, it's it's like a wedge. And next thing you know, over the course of a lot of time, these huge granite boulders are split in two. Mm-hmm. But it started with something minuscule. So I've had to retrain myself through the washing of the word, renewing of my mind, through the scriptures. Not the slightest little lie is not acceptable because it starts with that. Mm-hmm. So we have grown up that way. And so... It's not, and it does take effort. And I'm not talking works. I'm talking effort. It does take effort, and you have to retrain your your, your mind. And it's through the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. And when you read the scriptures and, and how to treat your wife, you know it says, um, it says for us men, we are to delight ourselves in the breast of the woman of our youth. Okay, Jesus said, keep your eyes on your wife's boobies. Okay, mm. but. No, he's he's saying that. He knows. 
and that we are just to devote ourselves to her and focus on her. Men, in a, not it's not exclusively men, but men in particular are very visual. Mm. We are, you know, we look at another woman and, and not just woman. I mean, it could be a car or whatever, but we're very visual when it comes to the opposite sex. And so we have to train our eyes. You know, our our heads can move different directions. There's there's practical things you can do. Turn your head. Quote scriptures. I have to do that. You, you can't avoid looking at attractive women. They're just all, you know, they're they're in the world. But, you know, you can retrain your mind, you know. And what's what's exciting for me personally is, and I shared this with one of our friends uh, this weekend, was just, just how my wife's always beautiful. But there's times when I just glance at her and it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, it just, she is just drop-dead gorgeous, you know. And, no, she really is pretty all the time. But, you know, it's just these moments Cause, and I'm just mesmerized, you know, and it, it's really special for me yeah. and it's really cool. But, yeah, so there's practical things um, that we can do on my phone, my computers. I have software. Um, some are free and some you pay really a relatively low annual fee. But where um, there's, account, you know, accountability systems, you can um, – it'll alert people that you trust, like you said earlier, to – Accountable. They'll let you know if there's something questionable that you viewed on your televisions. All the modern TVs, they have the capability of, of um, parental guidance so you can program it. You should never have any codes for yourself. It always should be your spouse or you know someone else. And so you, there are practical things. And if you – some of them are, they'll block you. Others, it'll just report that you went someplace you probably shouldn't have. And um, so – so there's the practical side, and we have to deal with it. The technology is there now that has has forced us to do that, and um, and again, just just fall in love with Jesus, get the Word in you, and um, we, my wife and I, we we have our own rules that we follow. You know, we don't ride in the car with the opposite sex, sex unless there's an extreme exception. You know, you know, but but even then, you got to tell each other about. But we. And, and a lot of people may question that or that where that's extreme, but yes, it is extreme. I love my wife, and I, I want to guard our marriage. I love my wife, and I want to honor the Lord. So I am willing to take extreme measures. I know myself. Jesus said, I believe in the Gospel of John, he does not trust entrust himself to men because he knows what's in them. Mm-hmm. So, no, I know what I'm capable of, you know. So I... You know, I I know I have to take certain precautions. You know, it's not that I have this driving desire, but it can come up. Yeah. So so I I'm willing. I'm ha- more than happy. That's why, if when we get home, if she goes, yeah, time for a polygraph. Okay, I call him up. Time for a polygraph. We go do it. She's going to be happy because I have nothing to hide. It it doesn't matter to me if she wants to wait ten years next, or it doesn't matter. You know, I it's okay, and whatever. We're very. She can look at my phone anytime. Um. You know, any anything. There's no boundaries. It's like, but again, and the cool thing for the guy though, or you know, is it's so liberating though, because mm-hmm. I have nothing to hide. I can walk in joy. I, you know, because when you are hiding the sin, it it's going to hinder you. You know that gnawing thing's going to be in there until that sin is revealed and dealt with. Mm-hmm. So, so for me personally, I'll look at it from the selfish perspective. It's liberating, you know, and you can enjoy yourself. You won't have that guilt. You know, hidden in, in. She knows one of my favorite stories. My wife um, is Aiken with Joshua, and um, uh, they had Joshua and his army had conquered, you know, a great army, 
And then, um, but the Lord's instructions were, you can't take any plunder for yourself. But Achan did in one of the battles. And he took it to his tent, he buried it in the ground and hid it. It was silver and gold in a royal robe. Well, then God told him, we'll go up to IA, or I, whatever you want to pronounce it, but a very small people group. And Joshua only sent 3,000 soldiers. You know, it was going to be you know, no, you know, an easy uh, victory. Lo and behold, oh, no, it wasn't. I, the soldiers of Ai routed them. 36 is, um, Israel soldiers died because of Achan's lie, or his, his lie, yes. So everybody just wept what happened, Lord, you know. So, But the Lord spoke to Joshua and told him, you know, someone's, someone's disobeyed me. And he, um, he, he revealed to Joshua who it was and whittled it down right to the specific man. This is what's really cool, though. Joshua says to Achan, give glory to God, my son, by telling me the truth. Mm. You know, and he did. He confessed to it. And guess what happened? There were severe consequences. His whole family was killed and they burned his tent and, and everything. So, it, yeah, it cost. But, but what happened, the greater good was then the Lord, no, you know, um, Israel now enjoyed victories again and it, um, it wasn't a stumbling block to them. So, so, but I call out all Christian men and women, but especially men, give glory to God by telling the truth. Mm. Yes, there may be some pretty serious um, consequences depending what you've done, you know. But we're here to honor God. One of the most beautiful scriptures I love is, "Those who honor me, I will honor them." That's what the Lord says, mm. and that's what I've seen in my wife. She's honored to this day because she chose to honor God. And said, I'm not going to do what this ungodly husband of mine wants me to do. Mm. No, I'm going to follow you no matter what, even if it means divorce. Mm. You know, And yes, God hates divorce. That, that should be a tourniquet. But what God wants, far more than, than that, he wants, he wants godly people that love him and are willing to serve him no matter what. And he has brought great honor to my wife to this day. Yeah. Amen. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for thank your you. openness, your honesty your time this was a marathon uh <laughs> podcast and we just we really thank you and one this is very very important i'll keep it short and sweet please 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 do not go into a polygraph yes. blindly you need a support system you need to um this isn't a sword that spouses take out and use brazenly you have to have a support system in place mm. because things will may depending on your situation some very terrible things may come yeah. come forward well, so it's really important not to do this lightly yep. and to have a support system get some wisdom if you choose that route well let's not stop what we have is podcast number one this is going to blow you guys away are you ready for this okay podcast number one sexual addiction okay. podcast number two polygraphs okay. podcast number three confessions Next podcast is Confessions. I'm going to share something with you guys that I'm, I have shared only with people in ministry, but I think that you guys might be able to relate to something I'm about to share with you guys. You ready? Join us for our next Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America.